0: How's everybody doing today? Good, all right, super. It's a different crowd here than the first service. And I knew it, but then I, you don't really know it until you look at it. It's like, oh, this is fantastic. So, the young guys, perfect. Excellent. Man, if you guys don't know me, my name is Chris Miller. I'm one of the deacons here at Midtown Baptist Temple. Um, my wife and I were a part of the original team that came over and and uh, I think um, I was standing up here about, I don't know, a month ago, and uh, we, were, we were directed to, to give something we're thankful for, right? Which is completely unfair. Because it's like, how do you get 15 years rolled up into like a couple of statements, right? And it, it, it's just amazing to me the, um, the journey that God has, has brought my wife and I, here in Midtown, um, I see some of you guys nodding your heads because you know you've been here too, and um, it just joyed my heart. I think I mentioned it in the first service, like, I actually had a tear, like, the older I'm getting, the more sentimental I've become. I mean, like, even right now, I want to start crying, I don't even know why. Just talking about sentimentalism, right? Man, you know, it's funny, the older you get, you see your kids do things, and and. You're standing back there and you're just, you know, you, all of a sudden you're, you're crying and you don't even know why, but you're happy, you know, and, and so this happened a couple of weeks ago. Um, our last COD class, we had about 29, 30 people in that class and they had posted it in the WhatsApp and I was like, man, I remember when Midtown was down to 29 or 30 people and then to see what happened 15 years later, you know, it's just, uh, it's been incredible. So. Um, I'm excited to be up here. I'm excited to be able to uh, to share what God's what God's been showing me. And um, I say we uh, we just get right into it. Um, when Sam approached me and said, "Hey, do you want to you want to do this?" I was like, "Absolutely, I do." You know, um, and and even what I was going to to speak, I mean, it just made sense. I was like, uh, Emily and I were in South America recently, and. You know, I had it all planned out in my head. I mean, I was golden. Southwest Airlines has Wi-Fi, you get your device. I'm watching the World Cup all the way from Orlando to New Orleans and then from New Orleans to Kansas City. Man, it's, my day is planned. And then the dreaded message comes over the Wi-Fi, or the, the PA, the Wi-Fi on this plane is not working. So you want me to read? Is that, is that what you're wanting from me? But actually, it worked out perfect because I reached in my backpack and I grabbed Things Above by Mark Trotter. And ever since then, I've been in the book of Colossians. So, so when Sam mentioned it to me, I was like, man, absolutely, this, would, this is going to fit perfect. And then I was thinking about, okay, well, man, Colossians chapter 1, it, it's got so much packed in there. Man, how can I condense this down to make sense on a Sunday morning? And it dawned on me. I looked at my calendar and it's December 11th. December 11th is no big deal, but what it represents is kind of cool for us because it represents the sweet spot between thanksgiving and gift giving, and this is the rub in the believer's life because when we're truly thankful, the only thing we're going to want to do is serve the body of Jesus Christ, so it's kind of like that picture, so I hope you kind of get that's probably my crazy mind thinking that, hey, this makes sense. But the idea is, man, this is the sweet spot that we need to find ourselves in on a regular basis. You know, as we see here, this is exactly where we want to find ourselves, the time that we are thankful for all that God has done and in in anticipation of what God's going to do next in and through us. That's a great spot to be, right? Right? Um, there's no way we're going to exhaustively look at Colossians chapter 1. That would be crazy, right? So what we're going to do is take a high-level approach. We're going to go through 1 through 25, verses 1 through 25, and just kind of get a high-level overview, and then we'll kind of camp out in a couple of verses at the end here. Um, Colossians chapter 1, verses 1 and 2. I think it's always important, whenever you're opening up a letter that the Apostle Paul is writing, is it's, man, they always start with grace and peace, Every single one of them. The letters to the churches. And it's important because sometimes I think we get so used to the grace and the peace that we have that we're over it. Guys, you realize the grace and the peace is what the world is longing after. And and don't think for one second that, that peace, you don't get peace without grace. Grace always precedes peace in our life it only comes from a relationship with Jesus Christ. That's the only path to peace. So we see in verses one through two of Colossians one that it's, that's the introduction. Then in verses three through 23, like he spends 20 verses, okay, and, and it's, it's about the thankful heart, all right? And then we'll see in the last couple of verses of this passage a sacrificing body, all right? And, and here's the deal. The formula is always the same. Ministry always springs out of a thankful heart. God knows it. The Apostle Paul knows it. We know it. But there's somebody else that knows it, and it's Satan. So if he can get us from a situation, from, from a position of thanksgiving to a position of perceived lack, he's got us exactly where he wants us because we're no longer looking at our Father correctly. Now we're looking cross-eyed at our Father, thinking, well, I'm not, man, I'm not as spiritual as so-and-so, so he's not blessing me like that. Or he's just holding out on me. This is how the enemy wants us to view our Father. The enemy wants us to think these kinds of thoughts. Yeah, Jesus is good. It's good, but I need dot, dot, dot. And this works its way into our lives, it works its way into our relationships, it works its way into our prayer life, where all of a sudden Jesus isn't good enough. And I tell you what, I don't ever wanna get there. I don't ever wanna get to the point where I've outgrown the grace of God. But when we're in a situation, man, when we're unthankful or ungrateful or not content, not satisfied with what we have in Jesus Christ, Man, that's going to open the door to look for another solution somewhere else. We don't want to man, we don't want to be in that boat. And this is good and bad. We spend a lot of time talking about the bad, right? Pleasing the flesh, walking in the flesh, all of that stuff. But man, you know what? The good sides equally dangerous. Well, man, I follow Jesus, and that's great, but I have to do this, 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 and this, and this, and this to make sure God's smiling at me. It's like, no, 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 you know, we need to step back and say, you know what, um, let's look at what God says. God says, this is my son in whom I am well pleased. And when we find ourselves in him, guess what? He is pleased with us. We have a, we have a difficult time with that. And we'll get into that in, in just a second here. But it's interesting that Satan wants nothing more than just get our eyes off of our perfect solution, Jesus Christ. And we know his devices, right? 2 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 11 tells us. 2 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 11 says, lest Satan should get an advantage of us, we are not ignorant of his devices. If he can get us off of, you know, away from thanksgiving, away from contentment, man, we're going to be out looking for another solution. All right? So let's read. Um, I'm just going to look at Colossians, I mean, real fast. And, you know, in Colossians 1, 3 through 8, it says this. We give thanks to God and the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, praying always for you. Since we heard of your faith in Christ Jesus and of the love which ye have to all the saints. For the hope which is laid up for you in heaven, whereof ye heard before in the word of the truth of the gospel, which is come unto you as it is in all the world and bringeth forth fruit as it doth also in you since the day ye heard of it and knew the grace of God in truth. As ye also learned of Epaphras, our dear fellow servant, who is for you a faithful minister of Christ, who also declared unto us your love in the spirit. All right, Let's pray real fast and um, just make sure that God, man, we just seek God, we seek his blessing in this this time, all right? Father, I thank you, Lord. Lord, I thank you just for the whole concept of giving thanks. God, I thank you for the Apostle Paul and the model that he sets forth for us, Lord. God, I pray that today, Lord, we'll walk away, um, Lord, just more thankful than when we walked in. God, I pray that The Holy Spirit would do what the Holy Spirit does, Lord, and God, I pray that it would guide us into truth, teach us all things, Lord, and God, eventually bring all things to remembrance whatsoever you have said. God, we thank you, and I ask all this in Jesus' name, amen. So the first thing we see here in Colossians 1 is a thankful heart, right? The Apostle Paul begins most of his letters with thanking God for his audience. This is a pattern that models for us the importance of giving thanks for people in our lives, Because I can guarantee you one thing. If you're not thankful for the people in your life, you will not be speaking to them correctly. If you're not thankful for the people you're ministering to, you're going to start despising them because they're not up to your standard. This is why it's so important for us to be thankful for the people in our lives. Giving thanks is at the very root of our lives, right? First Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 18 says, In everything give thanks, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you. Man, if you're ever up in the air about what's God's will for your life, just start thinking. Because it's amazing what will happen, because everything changes from that point. Your perspective changes. Ephesians chapter 3, verse 20 says this, giving thanks always for all things unto God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. This is where sometimes it doesn't make sense. Think about it, giving thanks for all things. Sometimes you're in a position where like, that doesn't make any sense at all. I just protected you guys from my hillbilly. I think in the earlier service I said lick of sense. So I didn't say that this time, so that's good. But no, at the end of the day, man, we, this is our position. This is our strongest position is giving thanks for all things. Colossians chapter 3 says the same thing. And let the peace of God rule in your hearts, to the which also ye are called in one body, and be ye thankful. This is one area in our life that we have to be very purposeful in. I'm not sure if you've noticed, everything in this world is geared to keep you in the negative. Everything in this world says, you know what, you lack this, you lack this, you lack this, you need this, this will put a smile on your face, this will put a smile on your wife's face. Man, you need this, you need all of this, right? And it's like, no, 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 no. Man, we can't be people that operate in the negative space. Thanksgiving is so powerful that it actually puts you back into a spot where you're focused on what you do have. we kind of prefer it the other way because we can, at least we can play the victim at that point. It's like, no, no, no. Man, as a believer in Jesus Christ, we have to live our lives in the light of God's word that says, you know what? You have everything. Man, that's where God would have us be. This is one area, man, that we left to ourselves. Man, we are, it's amazing how, how not, not thankful we are for the things and the people in our lives this is where the enemy wants us man all the stuff we hear focuses on hey you know what this is what you lack and thanksgiving forces us into the position of recognizing all that God has done not being thankful is one of the marks of the fallen world look at Romans chapter 1 right verse 21 it says this because that when they knew God they glorified him not as God neither were thankful so in in Romans chapter 12 verse 2 when it says be not conformed to this world this is one way where we can actually say you know what this is what divides you and me I'm thankful what God has provided is enough because if we choose to live our lives and, and, and let, let the enemy have his way in our minds to say, no, no, man, Jesus is good, but you lack this, that, and the other, well, you know what that does? That opens the door for lust. Because you're only gonna desire what you don't think you have. Right? First John chapter 2, verse 16 tells us about this lust. It says this, for all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life is not of the Father, but is of the world. Man, the very second we take the position of perceived lack in our life, we're going to start looking for other things to fill that hole. And you really consider it, think about it. If if you're a believer in Jesus Christ today, and Jesus isn't enough, what, where else are you going to look? The, the only other option is the world. You see what I'm saying? That's why it's so important for us to stay in the position that no, Jesus Christ is sufficient. Man, Jesus Christ is my solution. And the bad thing about this is, is once the enemy has us in the place, the place of, of perceived lack, man, all we're gonna look at is just like, man, the Father's holding out on us, right? Right? Satan's been at this since the beginning. This is his device. Hey, Eve, man, look at this garden. It's incredible. You got everything except that. And then all of a sudden, he's convinced her that, hey, you know what? You lack something. And it wasn't like Eve was trying to be wicked or evil. Eve was just trying to be godly. Godly. The problem was she was trying to be godly on her terms, not the father's terms. And if we're not careful, we'll be in the same boat. This is darkness. Man, when our focus and our perspective is all about what we don't have, the negative space in our life, man, this is nothing more than darkness. This is where the enemy wants us. This is why the call of the Bible is to walk in the light, as children of the light. Because that forces us into the position of, man, you know what? I'm not in the negativity, I'm actually in the positive. Man, what did God do for me? It's amazing. Think about darkness. What is darkness? Science kids, what are, what's darkness? Yeah think i can always count on my man sean man it's the absence of light right so whenever we think that hey you know what what i have isn't good enough we're actually we're actually putting ourselves in a dark position a position of absence right a position of lack man jesus christ man god wants us to say you know what no 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 i get it I, i get what you're saying and and But man, I'm going to live in the light. I have to choose to walk in the light. There's a couple of verses for that. Walking in the light. In Ephesians chapter 5, verse 8 says, For we were sometimes darkness, but now are you light in the world? Walk as children of light. John chapter 8, verse 12 says this, Then spake Jesus unto them, saying, I am the light of the world. He that followeth me shall not walk in darkness, but shall have the light of life. Psalm 119, 105, we're familiar with this. Thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. Man, the light of God's word is great news for those who obey it. Like I used to tell my kids, this book right here is the most frustrating book on the planet if you're not going to obey it. It is. It is. Man, if if all you're interested in is a intellectual understanding of this book, it's frustrating. The power is, man, you know what? When you take the truths of this book and apply it to your life, it works every single time. And it's not like God's doling out more blessing. No, no, as we grow closer to Jesus Christ, we recognize more and more the blessing of this book. But when we choose to walk in darkness or the absence of light we will stumble. That is a promise from this word. Proverbs chapter 4 verse 19 says the way of the wickedness is as darkness. They know not at what they stumble. Man, as long as we're going to walk in disagreement with the word of God, it's going to be frustrating and disappointing and all of that. Think about it. The enemy wants us to be in the dark. And so I'm, I'm thinking about this. I'm like, okay, well, man, walking in light. What, what, is that, what does that look like? Well, it's actually extremely practical. Th- this light right here, this isn't yesterday's light. And it's not tomorrow's light. The whole, the whole idea and the concept of walking in the light is right here, right now. Think about it, guys. You're at church. You have a Bible opened right in front of you. Satan has nothing on you right now. You get what I'm saying? Satan's got nothing on you. But man, if he has you focused too much in your past, what's in the past? The darkness of guilt and shame, condemnation, right? Some people, man, they just can't get their eyes off of, man, God could never love me because I did. No, no, no. Man, that's that's not where you are in the past. And it's what's equally dangerous is looking too far into the future. Man, the only thing in the future is fear and fantasy. Well, man, I'm not as prepared as so-and-so, so so I could never share the... Man, I'm not gonna... I don't understand all the dispensations. I don't understand the mysteries. I don't understand... Man, I can't share the... You know what? No. This is one thing the Lord taught me years ago. I was in a small group with Pastor Kenny Morgan and Brian Clark. And I think there was another guy. Okay. by seriously? What, how am I going at that, at that, to prepare to share with these guys something? You know what? And if we're not careful, man, that becomes our mindset. That, hey, I don't understand this stuff, so I can't be an effective... No, no, no. We have to understand the only message you need to turn this world upside down is the message of Jesus Christ. You don't have to know all the other stuff. Sometimes the other stuff actually gets in the way. Because the solution you're offering isn't your knowledge or all you know. The, uh, the solution that changes people's lives is Jesus Christ. So this is how we can disarm the enemy. Man, when we choose to walk in the light, that means right here, right now. man, Satan doesn't have any guilt to throw our way and he doesn't have any fear to throw our way. And when we choose to be thankful, our focus will be on God and all that he has done and is doing in our lives. Thanksgiving sets our heart towards our Father and towards those that are in our lives. If we are not thankful for those we are ministering to, we will not be relating to them correctly. Here in Colossians, the book of Colossians, see how much time is devoted to this. And we can't miss this either. Think of the 25 verses that we're gonna be looking at. 23 of them, right? 22 of them, 23, are given to prayer and thanksgiving. That is the ministry. Man, most of our time is gonna be spent thanking God and praying for the people in our lives. And here we see the prayer in uh, verses three through eight. The apostle Paul is thanking, thanking, thankful for all God had done for them. We just read those passages. He's saying, you know what? Paul is telling them, man, this is the great report that I've heard about you. And for us, we can learn from this. Man, are we really building up the people that we're, that, that are, that we're ministering to? Cause you know how it feels it feels good man when you meet somebody for the first time and they say i heard a lot about you for somebody like me that's usually not a good thing right because you're like oh gosh man i've said a lot of stuff i don't even know what, what what you've heard but man you know what it makes you feel good man when somebody when somebody else is praising you right man our children need this i read a long time ago Man, you know what? Your kids should hear you bragging about them. Because you're adding instant value to them. And Paul's setting a model for us here in verses three through eight. He's like, Man, since the day, since we heard of your faith in Christ Jesus and of the love which you have to all the saints, he's like, Man, this is what I've heard about you. It's fantastic. And then in verses nine through 17, he goes on and he starts. He, and he prays for them. He says this, he says, for this cause we also, since the day we heard it, do not cease to pray for you and to desire that ye might be filled with the knowledge of his will and all wisdom and spiritual understanding, that ye might walk worthy of the Lord unto all pleasing, being fruitful in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of God, strengthened with all might according to his glorious power unto all patience and longsuffering with joyfulness giving thanks unto the Father, which hath made us meet to be partakers of the inheritance of the saints in light, who hath delivered us from the power of darkness and hath translated us into the kingdom of his dear Son, in whom we have redemption through his blood, even the forgiveness of sins, who is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of every creature. For by him were all things created that are in heaven, and that are in earth, visible and invisible, whether they be thrones or dominions or principalities or powers, all things were created by him and for him. And he is before all things, and by him all things consist. Man, when we are thankful for the people that we're ministering to, we will truly desire God's best for those people. We're gonna want those people to pass us, right? Right? We're going to want the people that are, man, our children. Any dad that doesn't want his kids to do better than you it doesn't even make sense to me. Right? Man, as a father, you want your children, man, to, to far exceed what you've done. Right? This is what the Apostle Paul is telling the Colossians. His prayer for him is this. Man, Paul tells them what he desires for them. Okay? This is, this is to me, This is what separates real prayer from social media prayer. We all see, you know, i praying for you. I wish we could do that. I I mentioned that earlier. Like, man, if you had like the, instead of just praying for you. Yeah, praying for you. Whatever gets me out of this conversation, I'm uncomfortable praying for you. (laughs) You know what I'm saying? And then we we don't. You, You walk away and you forget. And it's not necessarily bad. You just forget. But man, the the true benefit of praying for someone is letting the person you're praying for know what you're praying for them. This is what the Apostle Paul does in his letters. He's like, Not only am I thankful for you and I'm praying for you, here is what I'm praying for. I'm praying that you're filled with all knowledge. Man, I'm praying that you're fruitful. I pray that you, man, I pray that you do nothing but increase. That you're strengthened with all might. Man, that you experience the long-suffering with joyfulness. Man, this is the kind of things that, man, we, we should be saying to one another. Especially the people that we're discipling. Man, when they know that, hey, you know what? This person is praying for me. This person, man, and it's amazing to me because when you're telling somebody and you're thankful for someone, and you want the best for that individual, they know it. The church is full of too many people that expect you to listen to what they say without you ever gaining their heart. This happens, this happens in the home. It happens in the church, where we're going to all of a sudden become the moral high ground without showing the love of Jesus Christ. Man, we have have to gain people's heart by showing them we love them. This is what Paul's doing to the Colossians. He's like, no, no, I'm not only thankful for you, man, here's what I want for you. I want God's very best for you. And we'll see in a second. He's not only saying it, he's actually willing to pay the price. Verses 18 through 23. Then Paul kind of He switches gears a little bit in 18 through 23. He says, and he is the head of the body in the church who is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead and in all things he might have the preeminence for it pleased the father that in him should all fullness dwell and having made peace through the blood of his cross by him to reconcile all things unto himself For by him I say, whether they be things in heaven or in earth or things in heaven, and you that were sometime alienated and enemies in your mind by wicked works, yet now hath he reconciled in the body of his flesh through the death to present you holy and unblameable and unreprovable in his sight. And then it says, If ye continue in the faith grounded and settled, and be not moved away from the hope of the gospel which ye have heard, and which was preached to every creature which is under heaven whereof I, Paul, am made a minister. Man, as we live thankful lives, as we're thankful for the people around us, we will be in constant remembrance of what we have in Jesus Christ. This is what we want people to know. Man, if we're offering the people in our lives anything but Jesus, we're selling them short. Jesus Christ is the solution. And, and here man if you're here today and you have Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior you've accepted Jesus Christ guess what you won you won life that's a good feeling the problem is a lot of people stay on that feeling for themselves you know what I mean you won at such a level now you can get your eyes off of you and go serve other people that's the level at which you won it's incredible Man, people need to be reminded of this. Our children need to understand this. Man, if you have Jesus Christ, you have everything. Jesus Christ is the solution. Period. We live in a world that's trying to solve all of these problems with anything but Jesus Christ, and it's a disaster. This is why we actually have to be the ones that are actually walking in the light and instead of covering it up with politics and, oh, man, um, the newest way of doing something or science. and No, we need to take all of that, uncover it, and say Jesus Christ is the solution. I don't know where, I, I mentioned this in the first, I don't understand where we got this idea that, that God's interested in two nations now. The first one's obvious, it's Israel. But now we would be led to believe that, oh man, he's concerned with America. I don't even get that. No, Jesus Christ is the solution for Americans. This whole notion that, man, we're God's second gift to the world is crazy. Man, our children need to know that there, are no, there is no solution in anything the world offers. Jesus Christ is the solution. And it's perfect every single time. It's amazing. What Paul is explaining here in verse 23 is is discipleship. Not only is he thankful for the people in Colossae, he's also praying for the people in Colossae. Now he's actually saying, you know what? This is what I want for you, discipleship. I want you, man, to go through the process of growth in the Lord Jesus Christ. And he mentions it like this in verse 23. If ye continue in the faith grounded and settled and be not moved away from the hope of the gospel, which ye have heard and which was preached to every creature which is under heaven, whereof I, Paul, am made a minister, the first thing the, the, the Apostle Paul wants for the, Col- the Colossians here is that they're grounded and settled. This is the process that has to take place in the believer's life. And don't get me wrong, guys, it is a process. It takes some time. Fruit takes time. Man, the, the idea that, man, I can go out and whip, whip you up an apple is absurd. Right? the best thing i can do is man go outside plant a seed create the right environment for that seed and before too long tree's gonna pop up and apple's gonna bloom and i got presto you got your apple now that presto took about three years right i'm just throwing that number i have no idea i'm terrible this thumb is anything but green all right but man we've got to allow the process to happen i can tell you from just from my own testimony is this I, probably, I could probably look back about three, four years ago where I finally decided, you know what? I'm going to put all my eggs in the Jesus basket. Because up until that point, you, if you really are honest with yourself, you have to work through certain things. You have to work through, like, okay, well, you have Jesus, but man, you got to make sure you do this and this and this to make sure, and then all of a sudden... All of the gifts that God has given are now just nothing more than duty. Oh man, I gotta get up at five o'clock and read my Bible or else he's not gonna be happy with me. Oh man, I gotta, I gotta do this or that and man, he's not gonna be happy. Guys, I think I, it's incredible. Like I said it before, this is my son in whom I am well pleased. Man, if we find ourselves in Jesus Christ, we can rest there. And it takes some time to get there because we think in our minds, in our fleshly minds, well, nothing else in my life works this way. Man, if I want my dad to be happy with me, i got to perform at this level. If I want my teachers to be happy with me, i got to perform at this level. If I want coach to put me in the game, I have to perform at this level. Everything in our mind is, everything in our lives is geared towards performance. And then we come across our faith and it's like, no, 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 you don't understand. It's not your performance, it's his. That's amazing, by the way. I don't ever want to get over that. But when you can actually honestly take a look at yourself and you know exactly all your blemishes, all your warts, all of the stupid stuff that we do and say, you know what? Even that Jesus Christ died for wow, man that is a, that is a great spot to be, you can rest there, this is what the apostle Paul wants, us, wants for us, in, in, in you know, Colossians 1 verse 23 it says this, grounded and settled, man, because here's the deal, if you're grounded and settled you are not looking for another solution, We have a beautiful verse in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 58, which kind of sums this up. It says, therefore, my beloved brethren, be ye steadfast, unmovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord for as much as ye know that your labor is not in vain in the Lord. Do you hear that? Man, when we're following after the Lord, we can know for a fact that, man, that is not in vain. It might be received in vain. I think Paul mentions that a few times. But from our end, man, we know that everything we do is worthwhile. This is what protects us from being like Solomon in Ecclesiastes. You want to read about a wasted life, go read Ecclesiastes. He did finally land on the right conclusion, but man, that cost him, think about it. He didn't raise his son, Rehoboam, and from that point on, the kingdom is split never to get united again because he's out soul searching guys our children need us to be present in their lives our our children need us to be grounded and settled because until we're grounded and settled we've got nothing really to offer them and the next statement doesn't even make sense in verse 23 and it says and be not moved away from the hope of the gospel man as believers we have nothing but hope The hope that we have is in Christ Jesus. Romans chapter eight, verses 24 through 25 says, for we are saved by hope, but hope that is seen is not hope. For what a man seeth, why doth he yet hope for? But if we hope for that we see not, then do we with patience wait for it. Man, we let that process take place, right? We let, we let it happen. Another process that we, we want to avoid at all costs is the process of hope in uh, Romans chapter 5 verses 2 through 4 right Romans 5 2 through 4 says this by whom also we have access by faith into this grace wherein we stand and rejoice in the hope of the glory of God and not only so but we glory in tribulations also knowing that tribulation worketh patience and patience experience and experience hope man we just want to jump from conversion to hope and not go through the pain that's required. You guys, you guys realize there is no resurrection without death. This is what Jesus Christ was talking about. In John chapter 12, you know, it said, man, except a corn of wheat fall on the ground and die, it cannot come back to life and bring forth fruit. I mean, we've got to allow the pain of this life to have its work through us. What happens a lot of times, man, the minute we're threatened, the minute we're pain you know, pain's coming our way, man, we hit the reset button, we hit the eject button, whatever we can do to get out of that. And then we wonder why when life happens, we have no hope in our life. No, we have to let this process take place. Tribulation, patience, experience, and then hope. We've got to let it work its way through our lives. And as we grow in our relationship with Jesus Christ, man, our eyes are going to be fixed on the eternal because as you go through that process, all of a sudden, man, none of, this, none of what the world offers is ever good enough. It doesn't even come close. This is what Jesus Christ was saying to Satan when he was tempted. He's like, I get it. Yeah, you can offer that to me. What I have is way much better. Because in you know, 2 Corinthians 4, verse 18 says this, While we look not at the things which are seen, but at the things which are not seen. For the things which are seen are temporal, but the things which are not seen are eternal. So the Apostle Paul just spent the first 23 verses of, of chapter 1 thanking God and praying for the people in Colossians or Colossae. Man, that's, I think I mentioned this already, that's going to be most of what we do in ministry. It's just being, man, and that's a full, man, thanking God, man, we actually have to do this on purpose because we're not geared this way. Man, the Bible tells us in Proverbs, man, the eyes of men are never satisfied. We've all experienced this. The kids probably are closer to it than we are. Man, Christmas morning happens, right? Man, I spent all of December, man, circling Toys R Us catalog. Man, I've got to have this thing. Gavin was a master at circling stuff. I mean, he circled, he could have just circled the catalog and just given it to me. Would have been a lot easier. But man, you know how it is when you're a kid, man, you're like, oh man, if I just had that, I would be happy forever forever. Man if, I, man, if I just had this, I'd be happy. Man, if I just had this next Frozen thing or whatever, well, I don't even know. My kids are old. Guys, Christmas is boring now. Like, you could only, like, what do you want? A MacBook? It's like, no, I want to go buy some toys, man. I want to spend some time in the toy aisle. But you know how it is. Christmas, we're all, we've all been there. Christmas morning. Man, I, I, I've been begging for this for a month, and I finally get it. And I play with it for about 10, 15 minutes. Then I'm on to the next thing. Man, if we're not careful, that will complete, that that will just replay over and over and over in our lives. When we're looking for something else other than Jesus Christ to fulfill us. There is nothing more frustrating than that. So that's why it's so important for us to be a thankful people. And a praying people. The cool part about it is, you know, like um, we mentioned to this. I think the man we gotta we gotta actually spend some some extended time of Thanksgiving this year, didn't we? Isn't it good just to set back and look at all that God has done? Isn't it amazing how it just changes your perspective? To me, it was just a huge blessing. So you see the Apostle Paul, Colossians 1 1 through 23, man, he's thanking God, he's praying for people. Now we're going to switch it over here in verses 24 through 25, and we see not only is he a thankful heart, but he has a sacrificing body. In verse 24 of Colossians 1, it says this, who now rejoice in my sufferings for you and fill up that which is behind of the afflictions of Christ in my flesh for his body's sake, which is the church whereof I am made a minister according to the dispensation of God, which is given to me for you to fulfill the word of God. Man, here in verse 24, we get a glimpse of Paul's heart in ministry. Man, Paul, just like Jesus Christ, didn't just suffer to, for suffering's sake. Sometimes we may get this idea that, hey, no, I just suffer. I'm suffering for the Lord. You know? I think no, no, that, that's not the point. We don't just suffer to suffer. Man, we suffer for a reason. We suffer for the other people in this room. And as we'll see in a second, man, these people in this room, man, are the most valuable thing on this planet. This is one of the defining marks of the Apostle Paul's ministry. Romans chapter 5 verse 3 says this and not only so but we glory in tribulations also 2nd Corinthians chapter 12 right Paul is going to, to Jesus like man I need this thorn of the flesh removed and he's like no 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 you don't understand my grace is sufficient yeah but I really yeah grace is sufficient yeah but yeah, grace three times You know, it's amazing to me how we'll take everything Paul says as gospel truth when it comes to the gospel of Jesus Christ, but when it comes to the answer of grace there in 2 Corinthians, we're gonna go try to find our own answer. Guys, if you're here today and you've outgrown the grace of God, you've got something bigger than, a problem than your ailment. Because God's grace is sufficient. Because it tells you this, for when I am weak, then am I strong. Philippians chapter three verse 10 says the same thing, similar, that I may know him in the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his sufferings, being made conformable unto his death. Man, in order for us to have this mindset, it requires us to redefine things in our life. If we were to minister with this type of heart, man, we have to value what God values. You see the apostle Paul do this. Just a couple of verses earlier in Philippians chapter 3 verse 8. He says, "Yea, doubtless, and I count all things but lost for the excellency of the knowledge of Christ, Jesus my Lord, for whom I have suffered the loss of all things and do count them but dung that I may win Christ." Man, Paul redefined the terms so, so much that he said, you know what, everything I've lived up to for this point, I'm a Pharisee, man. I'm, I am, when it comes to Judaism, I'm it. And he's like, you know what, I count all of that like trashy that I may win Jesus Christ. And that requires us the same thing. We have to be able to redefine the terms like that. And the only way we're gonna be able to redefine the terms in our lives is to start valuing what God values. I mean, there is something that's worth way more than what we want to do. And that's the church, the body of Christ. Every person in this room was worth dying for. And it has nothing to do with anything you've done or haven't done. Your value was set 2,000 years ago on a cross. That's the good news of the Jesus Christ. That's the gospel. Man, it's amazing. Before Jesus Christ, the Gent- we didn't even have a chance. And he's like, you know what? Man, you're so valuable, I'm gonna die for you. Who doesn't wanna hear that message? It might, it's gonna be foolish, right? You know that message is only offensive to the self-righteous people who are trying to work their way to heaven? To everybody else, it's just utter foolishness. Because actually, if you really consider it, wait a minute, the Jesus Christ that we were just singing about, the God of heaven came to earth and died for me that is complete foolishness that's a he got a bad deal right man that's the gospel every person in this room just like the Apostle Paul man he actually redefined it because he's like saying hey you know what the people that you're ministering to are worth it for the body's sake the church <clears throat> We know this because the value, man, when we look at the cross, the same price was paid for every person in this room. And this is where the rubber kind of hits the road for us because in a position like that, we're not actually able to give what we don't have. I mean, if we're not able to agree with God's word and say, you know what? I mean, I agree. I agree at some level, in, in, in your infinite, perfect mind, I was worth dying for. That's not a proud statement, that's a statement of humility saying, you know what, it's nothing about me and it's all about him. Until we're actually landed on that spot, it is impossible to value the other souls in the room. It's impossible because we haven't really done the math in our own minds, in our own lives, in our own hearts to say, you know what, man, it doesn't make any sense to me. I'm a, I'm a, I'm a disaster, but this is the truth. Jesus Christ died for me. You can rest there. I don't bring anything to the table. And until you can understand that, hey, you know what, this is the price that's paid for me, we're never going to understand the price that was paid for the other people in the room. and it's very interesting because at the end of the day our view of the father is going to affect how we treat other people Man, if we view the father as, as a father that, that man I'm only happy with you if you're doing this that and the other you know how we're going to treat the people in our lives I'm only happy with you if you're doing this that or the other Man, you know, religion, religion is so dangerous because we're in, in a situation where when we bump over into religion and we think we have to do this or that to please the father and, man, it makes sense because that's how it works everywhere else in my life. You know what's funny? The people that teach this religious message of like activity, 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 do this, do this, do this, you know what they never tell you? They never tell you that God's standard is still absolute perfection. They, they always fail to leave that part out. And if we're not careful, we'll fall into that trap and then we'll live our entire lives with our eyes on us. And it's all for the good intentions. It's all for good reasons. Man, I want to please the Father. I want to do this. I want to do that. The problem is this. If you live your life trying to, to take care of yourself and maintain, you're never able to get your eyes off of you onto the rest of the world. And for all good intentions and all for intentions and all good purposes, man, Satan just won your life because you never took your eyes off of yourself. I was just in South America recently and it is amazing. I haven't been there probably in what 5 6 years, 8. Um I'm like man, it gets great being married. If I don't have any of the details, I just look at her, hey, perfect. Man, and it's amazing how with with life and it happens and covid and man the the whirlwind that's been happening in this country it's amazing how you get so cocooned in your own little thing and then you get to another country and you're like oh my gosh you mean there's other people on this planet man this is the kind of stuff that we have to be reminded of is like Man, we can get so cocooned and our eyes are so selfish and on us. And man, what am I doing? What am I man, we need to get our eyes on the field. And this is the beautiful, this is what I'm talking about, the sweet spot in ministry. Man, we've we've had our time with Thanksgiving. Right, Man, thank God for the 15 years. Thank God for turkey. Thank God for cranberry, whatever. And then, man, we're looking forward at the gift-giving of Christmas, right? Man, we get to be a blessing to other people. And then, man, blessedly, we're in a church that right after Christmas, man, we're gonna talk about mission focus. And it's like, man, how can we do things here in Kansas City to make an impact across the globe? And we have to be reminded of this. Because if we're not careful, we just get tunnel vision right here, right? And the way we do this is found in verse 25. In verse 25 of Colossians chapter one, it says this, whereof I am made a minister according to the dispensation of God which is given to me for you to fulfill the word of God. The main takeaway today is this for us is, man, there are four little words here in Colossians chapter one, verse 25, that sum up the ministry of Jesus Christ, the Apostle Paul. These four little words are what put Jesus Christ on the cross, and he's able to say, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. This is the ministry of the Apostle Paul, you see it over and over, and when you start understanding these four little words, man, it changes the way the entire, Bible, the entire Bible opens up. Because we're not meant to be selfish people. Man, these four little words in Colossians chapter one, verse 25 are these, to me, for you. Man, those are the four words that should mark our ministry. Everything that we get from God, man, is not for us, it's for them. Amen. Right? This is, the, this is at the very heart of good and evil. Right? For the love of money is the root of all evil. Right? We know that money is not evil, but it's the whole mindset of, man, you know what? Personal gain. What's in this for me? Because we can change the words around a little bit and make it make sense for us, to me, for me. We got lots of people like that, right? We're all like that by nature. Man, our natural disposition in the fallen state that we're in is to walk into any situation and say, what's in this for me? What can I get out of this? When the call of Jesus Christ is to say, no, 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 let's, let's just us around. No, 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 you need to walk into a room and esteem others better than yourselves and say, what's in this for them? Think about a church full of those type of people. It's amazing. Philippians chapter two, verse three. You know, we see this when we're esteeming others better than ourselves. Romans chapter 12, verse one. This is what makes this make sense. Whenever you have the, the to me, for you attitude. Man, we present our bodies a living sacrifice. Think about that. We present our bodies, plural, a living sacrifice, singular. We give ourselves up individually for the collective good. This place is worth dying for. We see Acts chapter 20, verse 35. Paul's on his farewell tour, right? And he's, he's got the guys together and he says, you know what, I have showed you all things. How that so laboring ye ought to support the weak and to remember the words of our Lord Jesus, how he said it is more blessed to give than to receive. Guys, I'm not kidding. Young guys, the earlier you learn this, the better. Any relationship that you find yourselves in, get into the giving position as soon as you can. Because that is your strongest position. What the world needs is more men that give and less men that need things. We got too many of those. God's already told us, it's more blessed to give than to receive. That's the strongest position we can take when a human-human relationship, because guess what? Man, when I'm in the giving position, there is no expectation. There's not even a possibility of disappointment because I'm not expecting anything. You see how that's the strongest position we can take? Now, don't get me wrong. When it comes to our relationship with God, he's in the giving position, right? We have to remember that every time. God is best glorified when he's in the giving position. And when we start thinking we're doing God a favor by showing up here or opening up his word, We've completely missed it. We start we start viewing the gifts that God has given as duties. Like we have to remember this. John chapter 3, verse 16, right? For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. Second Timothy 3, 16 and 17. Man, his word is given by inspiration of God. Ephesians chapter 4, man, he gave some apostles and some prophets and some teachers, right? Man, if we're not careful, we'll start viewing the gifts in our life as obligations. Man, we need to enjoy all the gifts that God has given us. So you do kind of have to land on the to me first before you can even get to the for you. In every relationship we find ourselves in, you might be saying, Yeah, you know what? I'm just a kid. Or, man, life's really, I'm struggling right now and I don't have anything to give. Do you know every person in this room always has something to give? I mean, we can always give somebody else a kind word, we can always give someone else a piece of encouragement, we can always give someone else a smile. And it might get to the point where that's all you got. Praise God. Praise God you can still, man, glorify the Father in that weakness. And here's the cool part about it, guys. Everything that we've said, man, being thankful, um, praying for one another, discipling, discipleship, and now the whole concept of outward ministry Man, you know what, guys? We are in the perfect spot for this. I'm not kidding. I think I heard four, three, four, five. Personally, like I personally overheard it happening this week. I mean, I heard of, of someone wanting to pay somebody's house payment. I heard about somebody actually offering to pay tuition for their kid, another person's kid. Um, Solid dude, Pay for somebody's meal at Tuesday night meal. You guys get what I'm saying? Like, like, man, this is the church we're a part of. It, man, we are in a spot right now. Where man, we're in. A, we're. I'm not even sure of the best way to say it. We're in an advantageous position. Most churches don't operate this way. Most churches, man, you're jockeying for position. You're trying to do this. You're trying to do that. It's all, po- no, you know what, man? Man, I think, I think this place is special because I think, I think our pastor is special. I think our pastor has, has, has instilled the vision in this church that no, you know, no matter what, we will endeavor to keep the unity. No, no, we will be dying to ourselves daily for the sake of the body because we know it's worth it. This is the notion of the to me, for you mentality. By taking this approach to ministry, we can be sure that we're gonna fulfill the, God, the, the word of God in our lives. In closing today, you know, I, I hope something was said that encouraged you it's real easy for us to just throw in the towel and say you know what I'm never going to learn all that I'm not even going to worry about it no 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 you know what we should be encouraged at the simplicity of Christ because the minute we walk away from the simplicity that is in Christ we open the door to being beguiled because He's going to be offering something that you just don't even need man I hope you're able to leave here more thankful than when you got here And as you move forward in ministry, I hope you can remember that to me, for you, and this will serve as a guide for us humbly serving each other. And if you're here today and you haven't accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, man, that invitation is wide open. Just like we see here in Colossians 1, it's preached to every creature. That means it's not just for the religious or the ones who got it together. It's for the ones who don't. So if you're here today and you don't, man, you haven't accepted Jesus Christ, man, today is the day of salvation. So with that, I'll pray and we'll invite the uh, band. Oh, Rosie. Which is better than a band. All right. <laughs> Father, I thank you, Lord, um, for your word, God. I thank you, Lord, that you are the solution for our life. God, I thank you that you, we can view you in such a way, Lord, that you are the answer to everything that happens in our life, Father. God, I thank you for that, Lord. I thank you for your word this morning, Lord. I thank you for each person in this room, God. I pray that... That, Father, as we move forward, Lord, that, that, God, we would be able to see each other the way you see us, Father, is extremely valuable. God, I thank you. I ask all this in Jesus' name, amen.